Imagine, if you will, a podcaster with an idea to promote other podcasts. Facilitated by Moxie LaBouche from the Your Brain on Facts podcast, today we have an incident of crisscross. What was once a podcast about the hobbies and interests of one middle-aged man is for today a podcast about the hobbies and interests of three middle-aged men as we take a trip to nostalgia with an episode of the Gen X Grown-Ups Podcast. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I'm John. Joining me, as always, is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? In this episode, we will run down our top 10 favorite one-hit wonders from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Memorable tracks from artists that were never quite able to duplicate the success of that one great song. But you know what is always at the top of the charts for us? Hmm. What is? Uh, what? Our fourth listeners. Uh, <laughs> man, you have been working hard on these segues lately. Is that a new thing for you? I'm trying. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have some fourth listener email from someone who's not a one-hit wonder. Chad has written hey, in Chad. again. Wow. Subject line of this email is, that's incredible. Referencing the backtrack oh, yeah. on uh, that oh, great yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Chad writes to say, I loved this show when I was a kid, though I don't have any vivid memories of any of the segments as I don't think I've seen the show since it was on. But when you guys started talking about them, I definitely remembered them. Again, we're doing <laughs> we our, job, our job. Apparently yeah. so, that's right. <laughs> he says the only one he does remember was a man who blew bubbles, soap bubbles, not like blowing bubblegum bubbles. And he was smoking and he was blowing smoke into the bubbles to make designs. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I remember that. Do you remember? One. I don't remember that one, but. I wonder how that plays on television today with no cigarette <laughs> ads and everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Here's I, some designs in cancer for you, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy. You can vape into it, I suppose. Can you vape? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that's any better. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> I guess no. <laughs> he goes on to say, I guess the guy who ate the bike saw Klinger try to eat the Jeep on MASH. I remember that. Oh, I remember that oh, episode. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and he thought that was dumb, but hey, a bike could work. Yeah, a Jeep, no, but definitely <laughs> you could eat a bike. What's wrong with that? Forever fourth listener, Chad. Awesome. Thank you, Chad. Hey, Chad. We love it every time the fourth listener writes on. If you'd like your email we read here on the show, just like Chad, hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most make the show. All right, if you guys are ready, it's time to jump into these one-hit wonders from the 1970s. You good to go, Mo? Let's do it. George, ready? Absolutely. Off we go. Hello, friends. I founded the 70s Preservation Society to keep the forgotten music of the 1970s alive forever. And on our new song collection, those fabulous 70s, you can enjoy 23 of the decade's greatest hits by the original superstars. Who could forget the beloved Partridge family? Supergroup, the Bay City Rollers, funk legend, Wild Cherry, and the bittersweet storytelling of Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods. Yes, you get 23 top 10 hits. That's over 75 minutes of magical 70s music. Available on double-length cassette, just $14.99. CD, just $18.99. Sorry, not available on 8-track. Now, you'll remember, it had to be sometime last year or two years ago, we did our one-hit wonders list from the 1980s, and Mm -hmm. that's a wildly successful episode. That still gets lots of listens. And controversy. Because it's got the best decade for music. That's why. You're right. There's no question it's the best decade for music. (laughs) (laughs) 
but we wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to look at the 70s. Now, the 70s are kind of weird for Gen Xers. That was the, the bleeding edge of music for us. We listened to the 80s growing up and all through high school. Early days. And we're all a little bit older than each other. So George is the baby. Mm-hmm. You were born yep. in 71, I think. 71. Yep. I was born in 69. Yeah. And Mo was born in 1437. <laughs> <laughs> That's close. Yeah. Sorry, 67, 1967. But right, yeah. we're all just two years apart. But George is the youngest of us by far. We started looking at these and you looked at this list, George. What was your reaction? I didn't know crap that was on this list. <laughs> no, I didn't have a frame of reference. No, I mean, I knew one or two of the songs, but not from the 70s. Because when I was a young child at that age, you know, 71 through 1980, so never more than nine years old, my parents only listened to country music. Aha. Uh-huh. I think most of us at that point. That explains a lot. <laughs> we didn't get to choose music. Sure. Like nowadays, five-year-old kid has his own damn phone and he's got, you know, whatever <laughs> streaming service for music he wants and he can listen to whatever he wants. But back then, when you were in the car with the radio, whatever your father or mother right. put that dial on, that was what you listened to. It was like yeah. the TV. You listened to country. Yeah, you watched so. what was on and you listened to what was on. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. So the one-hit wonders we're looking at in this episode are from the 1970s. So again, let's revisit this harsh definition from Wikipedia. A one-hit wonder is any entity, in this case songs, that achieve mainstream popularity often for only one piece of work and becomes known among the general public solely for that momentary success. Ooh, that's, that's, that sounds I, harsh. I know. That's we hated harsh, that. right? <laughs> momentary success. You were good for like a little while, then you For suck. a second. That's right. <laughs> Yes, you had your time in the sky, then that's it. You're all done. (laughs) You're done. So we're using that definition. And in fact, Wikipedia had a list of 71 songs that meet their criteria, which involve hitting the charts, staying on the charts a certain period, and never hitting the charts again. And so we had those to pull from. So since George didn't have as much familiarity, in this version of One Hit Wonders, we picked a group top 10. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've done that before on a couple Mm -hmm. of different things. And so we create a spreadsheet. It works well. And then we allow ourselves a certain amount of points to put on anything that we want. So we have like 60 points total and we can spread them around kind of like the bean counting episode from the office where they're trying to decide who gets what raises. Yes, right. <laughs> Same idea. And moving beans to the last second to try to snipe each other. All exactly. that happened. That's right. We yeah, had all, all those that things. type of stuff happen. <laughs> and so we came up with a comprehensive list. So it's not that it's an individual's top 10. It's not Mo's top 10 or John's or mine. It is ours. It's ours. It's kind of a combined thing. And we feel like that's a fair democratic way to do it, especially when one of us, myself, has little (laughs) to no experience with the songs from that time period. Yep. Yeah. And and lastly, before we get started, I will say that when we get to the end, we've all individually picked our own personal honorable mention that was not reliant on everybody else. So we have our top 10 and we also have three more honorable mentions. We'll get to those at the end. But I think we've laid the groundwork. We know what we're doing. George, why don't you get us started with our number 10 pick for the one hit wonder from the 1970s? I would be happy to. Our number 10 pick is Right Place, Wrong Time by Dr. John. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I'd have said the right thing, but it must have used the wrong line. And he released that song in 1972. Now, it didn't get popular until the summer of 1973, where it peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm. So it's got a little bit of a gestation before it got really popular. And I think that was kind of the way a lot of songs did then. You didn't have social media to instantly make something successful. Mm -hmm. It's ranked as the 24th biggest hit of 1973. Mm. It's been included in an episode of American Horror Story. 
It's been on an episode of That 70s Show. Uh, yeah. It's been in, <laughs> yeah. John, one of your favorite, Fargo. It was oh, in was one Fargo? of those. It was, shows. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. 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 yep, music included there. And then, of course, it was in some movies. It was in Fun with Dick and Jane, believe it or not. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was in Sahara. That was the Matthew McConaughey, we're going on a treasure yeah, hunt of thing. Yeah, yeah. I went to see that movie. I thought, <laughs> anyway. At least one person who wrote a McConaughey Wikipedia article did. I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure he did. He might have just been in it. He might not have gone and watched it. That's probably, it's fair. But then the final film, and this is probably a film that we could use for this entire list. It was in the movie Dazed and Confused from 1993. And that's mm. where I mm-hmm. know fits. it the most from. It fits. I love that film. And there is such a rich history of music associated with that film. And this is definitely one of the my favorite songs from this film. John, you actually scored this one pretty high. I mean, why was that? I did. Well, this is one of those songs that while it wasn't one of my favorite songs, it just screams the 70s to me. Like the gravelly voice of the lead singer of Dr. John. Let me do the right please in the wrong time. I mean, just right. That kind of thing. It just feels like I'm in a Cheech and Chong movie. Kind of a lowrider a little bit. It just feels like that. This ought to be back to back with the song Lowrider. Quite frankly, you know, sure. just how yeah. it sounds to me. That'd be a playlist. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I, I can just, see that. It, it's, it's, nothing in the song spoke to me, but man, it just feels 70s. And every time it's on, you kind of turn it on because of the vocals in it. That's why I kind of waited it. Okay. So right place, wrong time, our number 10 pick. Why don't we move along to our number nine? Mo, what do we pick? Oh, this was an easy one for me. Number nine was I Love the Nightlife by Alicia Bridgers. Mm. Three older brothers. Okay. Right. So they were heavy into disco music. <laughs> this is a disco classic for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And by osmosis, I was too because they owned the record player. So you're required to. It was, it was yeah. like George's parents. It's like that's what right. they're listening exactly. to. Exactly. That's what you're going to hear. So your older brothers forced you to hear this. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. like, Mo, you're not big enough to beat us up yet. So we're picking the music. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it comes down to. But this particular song, it charted number five in the US in 1978 and hit like number 32 in Europe. Doing some digging on this, I found out that originally this song was supposed to be an R&B song, huh. because she threw the word disco in there. Oh, in the song? Yeah. I guess they said that we have to make this a disco, they disco-fied it. No, before the show, George, you said there's a new rule. There's a word in this song that mandates it be absolutely a disco. What was that? Yeah, absolutely. If you have the word boogie anywhere in your song, <laughs> it's a disco song. It's a disco song. In- instantly. Instantly, it's, it's a disco song. I don't care what type of instruments you have behind you. it. I yeah, if you have the I, word I, boogie, instant disco song. That's it. You know, I'd, be, I'd be actually interested to hear this as an R&B, but I don't think I'd be able to. I think I'd always hear the disco side of this. Forever. You could yeah. take and, this thing and go acapella group from MIT, and it's still a disco song. <laughs> disco you song. you have the word boogie in it. That mandates it. The funny thing is that uh, Alicia Bridges, who, of course, made this song a, a hit, turns out that she did not like disco at all. <laughs> and to Too the point bad. where she's actually quoted as saying that she would rather do a deodorant commercial than do another <laughs> disco song. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, oh. the one thing she's known for, known for and if she performs this. anywhere and she's going to have to sing, is a disco song. I know. It must be like oh. her own version of Hell, maybe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> she, she lives her life. She's like, no, not I love the nightlife again. Yeah. Free bird! Yeah. It's, her, it's, her, it's, absolute, it's her free bird. 
<laughs> I say with you, I mean, regardless of what she thought of it, it is definitely a disco classic. I mean, it, it is. Totally it, yeah, is. unavoidably. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's number nine. So what do we got for number eight, John? Yeah, number eight is from a band that I have some tenuous ties to because it's related to the Alan Parsons Project. I'll explain <laughs> oh, why in a minute. Oh, I wondered how this one got on the list. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it did. That's, he gave all his points to this one. I, I voted heavy into it. This is Pilot with Magic, 1974. But I've got to ask, what the <laughs> hell's the connection? You got to ask, man. This you gotta damn ask. Alan Parsons project yeah. song. Well, Magic is a great song in general, but the reason I picked it beyond just that I enjoy this song is by Pilot. Not only was the song produced by Alan Parsons, who produced tons of other stuff like Dark Side of the Moon and stuff for the Beatles and Abbey Road and things like that, but Pilot at the time of this release featured David Patton and Ian Berenson, who played bass and guitar in many of the Alan Parsons things. So that's why the connection, but on its own merits, it was the first single the Pilot released and it reached number five in the summer of 1975, but it ended up being their only top 40 hit ever in the United States. And isn't that a bummer? Like your first thing ever? the gate is amazing yeah. and then crickets so he shamalanded it <laughs> that's, that's kind of the point of a lot of the one hit wonders right they do one thing it yeah. goes really big and you know to say it was their first thing they probably had made other songs and been point. touring around before that so yeah, yeah. It was the first big single that released yeah you know, there's a process and it was the first big one that hit for them and then just nothing else did afterwards yeah and that's a shame you know when you hear the song it sounds very much like a love song and it kind of is and kind of isn't actually there's only two verses and the rest is just the chorus and they don't mention a girl at all apparently they say that the song is actually about waking up on a sunny day according to david patton who wrote it it was inspired by the sunrise on blackbird hill in edinburgh now it inspires commercials everywhere (laughs) doesn't it oh oh it's magic absolutely how how many times have we seen that i know like i feel like it's a part of every car commercial now and (laughs) yeah every cleaning product (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's magic (laughs) cleans up spills like magic it's magic (laughs) it'll be on the next Ron Pope BLA commercial. <laughs> Imagine owning the world's greatest love songs by the greatest voices of our time. In a once-in-a-lifetime collection. Music presents the Ultimate Love Songs Collection. We got through the first few. This is going to get us to the middle of the pack. We're up to number seven. And Mo, what is our pick for the number seven one-hit wonder of the 70s? Number seven's a great, great song is Oh Child by the Five Stair Steps from 1970. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Yeah, this song, I mean, everyone probably knows the song now because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Hell yeah, it's a song he do. uses to, to distract him at the end. So many great songs <laughs> in Guardians. Song, save the universe. Yeah. I mean, come on. Break it down <laughs> hard. You can't get better than that. Someday, 
<laughs> Take it away. It reached number eight in the U.S., which actually surprises me. I thought this would be a number one, to be honest. Yeah. But actually, when they re-release it as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, it actually hit, like, number one for soundtracks. Oh, that makes sense. The whole soundtrack did? Yeah, yeah. the whole soundtrack did. Oh, so it got credit for that. Well, good for them. They were a one-hit wonder two times. Oh, you're not kidding. <laughs> I was reading about this song in Guardians of the Galaxy. They said that, you know, whenever they were shooting a scene that they had, like, one of these songs was going to play in the background, mm-hmm. James Gunn would play the song, like, on a loop over oh, good. and over and over. And they said of all the ones that Chris Pratt said that this is the only one he didn't mind hearing over and over and over again. All the rest of them he got totally hmm. sick of. I can see that. I'm, I'm, I'm just listening to it now, and I'm almost kind of sick of it myself. <laughs> I mean, it is the one they let him sing yeah. in the movie, so I get why he didn't mind hearing that one over and over again. You know, because he knew it was going to be his big final moment of the movie. A classic song, but it kind of like. Ooh, it's, it sounds so wimpy. I've never loved it. It's, a, it's a, like a nice, upbeat kind of song. I know, like, John, you didn't rate this really high as far as uh, yeah, the rest, yeah. as far as I did anyway. I mean, I just think it's, it's just, a, just a nice song. It's still deserving. Yeah. Yeah, just for its legacy. I agree. All right, John. So what do you got for number six? Yeah, we're up to number six. This one, I definitely loaded some points on. I like this one. The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Vicki Lawrence, 1973. So Vicki Lawrence, this is a one-hit wonder for her, but she's not a one-hit wonder in the world of entertainment. No. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Well, she was on the Carol Burnett show for years. She's a comic oh and God, a comedian. Yeah. She was on uh, Mama's House, or was, was that the yeah, right. sitcom? Yeah, Mama's Family or Ma- something Mama's like family. that. Mama's Family. Yeah, that was yeah right. Let me tell you, when this came on our list, I saw Vicki Lawrence. I was like, that can't be the same Is that the Vicky same Vicki Lawrence? Vicky Lawrence? It, it is. So I looked is. up, I'm like, yep. it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's such a great song, too. I think she's probably one of the most underrated comedians of all time. People talk about want to talk about Joan Rivers or even Roseanne Barr, modern audiences. Vicki Lawrence was a genius. Carol Burnett really benefited by having her on the show. Oh, yeah. And then you can see how multi-talented she was by having this huge hit on Billboard. I know. Yeah, no kidding. And the thing I love about the song is we've talked about this in other things, in video games and other you know, other media. It tells an amazing story. And oh, it's yeah. like this crime story with a <laughs> twist at the end. Yo, it's I like know. M.I. Shyamalan wrote it for her. <laughs> And then went off with obscurity. But somebody better. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So this thing was released, I said, in 1973. It hit number one on the U.S. Billboard charts. And of course, I mean, yeah. she really didn't do that much more. And if you never had any exposure to the song before this podcast, you might remember Reservoir Dogs. Chris Penn's character was saying something about, I'm listening to it this morning. This is the first time I realized that the girl right. singing the song is the one who shot Andy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but just a great song with it. that's a ballad and it tells a story. And that's why I love that it made our hit at number six. Does she have a big singing career? No. Nope. Vicky Lawrence? Nope. I mean, I mean, does she try? I mean, this is I, it. This is the big singing career wow. that she had. Well, if you're going to do it, do it right, right? Do it and right. she put yeah. on a wig and some garter hose and she became mama. And that was the end. <laughs> and that was her TV hit wonder. Yeah. All right. George, let's move along to number five. What do we got? Number five is probably one of the most influential songs of all time. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I mean that genuinely. Mm-hmm. We yep. have Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang from 1970. Yeah. Hey, sing that song. Check it out. I'm the C A S 
guys. Wasn't this on our 80s one-hit wonder list also? <sighs> yeah, it yeah, was. Kinda. But there's a reason <laughs> why it's on both. I'm going to explain okay. why I think it deserves a spot on both lists legitimately. Okay. Okay. The song was released in 1979. Mm-hmm. It became a hit reaching number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1980. Okay, Dang. So it was kind of a bridging of the years. But you got to realize what this song is credited with. This song is credited with introducing hip-hop to the masses of the American audience. So good. It's not oh the first goodness. rap song, but it's oh, no. the first one to become a major hit. Almost like a mainstream rap yeah. song that just said, yeah. you know, rap is not just kind of this flash in the pan kind of thing that's a gimmick. It's not novelty music. And it really put it on the map. Mm-hmm. And it's been recognized by a lot of different sources. Rapper's Delight is number 251 on the Rolling Stones magazine list of the mm-hmm. 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. Not just for a decade, <laughs> yep. not just for a century, of all time. It's also number two on VH1's 100 Greatest Hip-Hop Songs. And then even NPR, <laughs> believe it or not, lists this as one of the 100 most important American musical works of the 20th century. The most uptight, anti-rap media thing of the world. Yeah, NPR still didn't ruin the song. That's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> no, and it's even been enshrined into that archive thing yep. by the Library of Congress as one of the most important works of man kind of thing. So it's always going to be there for someone. That's how influential this song was. It was three guys, a producer, they sampled a song from Sheik, believe it or not, as part of the bass line. (laughs) Just one of my favorites of all time because, John, you were big into hip-hop when we were growing up. I know I enjoyed a lot of hip-hop Was, still am, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have any of that without Rapper's Delight and the Sugar Hill Gang and they never had another hit. Nope. That's just a damn shame, but that's the way it goes. The only thing that surprises me is it didn't make it higher up in our top 10, I really think this is deserving of a top spot because well, of its influence in general. Now, it didn't make it there because we all kind of voted mid-range on this because we had other songs we were trying to put votes on, yeah. but I think this deserves to be in the top three from the 70s only because of its influence. Well, as a consolation prize, it made both of our lists, the 70s and it's the 80s. It made, so it's, it's got that going for us. True. Yeah. <laughs> and, and deservedly so. still close, still sick from the food you ate. And then you run to the store for quick relief from a bottle of K.O. Pectate. Mystic Music presents 70s Feelings. Well, that's the way I've always heard it should be. 40 of the most loving hits of the 70s. You'll recapture the feelings. Just listen. Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Let 70s feelings awaken the dreams, the romance, the feelings that you remember. To order 70s feelings, call 1-800-349-3232 or send 1995 for two cassettes or 2995 for two CDs plus 495 shipping to 70s feelings. PO Box 1164-P, Monument, Colorado. We are truly past the halfway point now. We're moving into the top five of our top 10 one-hit wonders of the 1970s. And George, let's throw it back to you. What is your number four pick? I don't know how this song ended up at number four. It should have been number one on every damn list we ever had, but it is Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles from 1979. I think 
think it's kind of where it belongs, to be honest. Mm. I did not rate this so high wrong. on my list. So why. wrong. You didn't give it a damn point. That's not very high. What the hell is wrong with you? Here's my reason for this. I never heard of this song until it was on MTV. Okay. So? But you've heard it now. It was just 1980. <laughs> oh, so it's an 80s song for you. So Rapper's Delight can cross the divide, but this can't just because Absolutely. you didn't oh. listen to the radio early enough? No. That's not its fault. I That's your I fault. listened to a lot of radio. This was not what was playing in New York at the time. Oh, so. in New York. Oh, New York. Oh, oh, oh. Hey. Do you have any great poupon? <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. When they played this on MTV the first time, I was like, what song is this? And I was like, nobody I knew even heard of it. Well, let me give you some of the details about this to try and convince you a little bit more because it does have <laughs> Do it, a really unique storied history. Okay. Believe it or not, it was first recorded by a guy named Bruce Woolley in the Camera Club. And they had Thomas Dolby on the keyboards oh, okay, for the original recording. Okay. Later on, it got re-recorded by the trio who wrote the song, which he Bruce Willie was a part of, as the band called The Buggles. Ah, okay. That's the one we know, yeah. right? And that's the one that we know that ended up on MTV. It reached number 40 in the U.S. Oddly enough, it ranked number 40 on VH1's 100 Greatest One-Hit Wonders of the 80s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, from 79, right? right? Yeah. This is the one that everybody knows. First music video ever shown on MTV in the U.S. at 12.01 yep. on August 1st, 1981. But oddly enough, later on down the line, it was also the first video shown on MTV Classic in the U.S. <laughs> on March 1st, 2010. That's the life that this song has. So when they made an extra channel for music again, they used it one more time. Right. Yeah, but that was obviously a gimmick. I mean, come on. <laughs> but like, it was a great song? gimmick. There was a reason for it. And it was yep. also oh, no, no. in one of my favorite musical films of all times or soundtracks of musical films, Empire Records. Mm, yep. I don't know how it gets zero points. I understand low points maybe because you want to save them for some of the other schlock that we're going to put later on. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Loaded language. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but zero points, Mo? Really? I, okay, for a song in the 70s, I've never heard of the song, so I didn't think it deserved a single point. Mm. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I never heard of it. I, I did not right. hear the song until 81. Well, let's let you tell everybody what our number three song is and see if you can redeem yourself. Oh, absolutely, because nobody's going to argue with me on this one. I guarantee All right, you this one. Here we go. Okay, so number three on our list is Kung Fu Fighting. Come on. But Ooh. Carl Douglas, <laughs> 1974. Everybody was Kung Fu. This song was produced by somebody called Bidu, which I'm not sure. Of if course it was. <laughs> hey, this is this a great was, song. Was the first UK number one hit that was produced by an Asian person. So there you go. So it has some, oh. something there. And is that because it's about kung fu fighting? No, it couldn't be. No. Okay. But basically, <laughs> it, it just capitalized on the movie craze. Kung fu movies are huge in early 70s. Which was awesome. Bruce Lee was massive. Yeah. Yes. But, and of course, every martial arts movie that was slightly not serious at all used this song. Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> Wayne World 2, Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> like I said, who are not serious at all. They all use the yep. song. But come on, this is an earworm, catchy song. Now, I had actually heard that this song almost wasn't a song at all, let alone a one-hit wonder. And in fact, I brought our friend Moxie from Your Brain on Facts podcast over to join us. Hey, Moxie, how you doing? Hey, guys. I could not be more happy to come over here and talk about <laughs> this song. So you were telling us earlier that Kung Fu Fighting, as, as great as it is, and what such an earworm it is, it almost didn't happen. Can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, well, uh, it's performed by Carl Douglas, who mm. is, um, he was a session musician, basically the guy you get in to do a song that was written by a songwriter as opposed to an artist and a producer by the name of, I think it's pronounced Bidu. I've never heard it said. 
he had hired Douglas to sing the song I Want to Give You My Everything as a hmm. single. Okay. But a single, and for the young people in the audience, that was when you bought <laughs> you bought one song on a physical media, and on the back of it was some other song you didn't care about and would probably never listen to a second time. <laughs> the B-side. The yeah. B-side, yeah. You had to go to a store and interact with other human beings. <laughs> they were dark times. And there were two music stores in the mall, but they were owned by the same company, but they didn't tell you that. <laughs> you started when there was a mall? Wow. Most started when it was a cart on the back of a horse. Hey, 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 I'm not that old. <laughs> not that old. Just because my records were stoned doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we're here to talk about the B-side of I Want to Give You My Everything, which ended up being Kung Fu Fighting. See, they didn't have a second song. So oh, okay. they, had, oh. they had three hours of studio time blocked out, and you might as well use it because you paid for it and you're not getting the remainder back. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't okay. get a prorated refund on the studio time. So they're like, let's see what we can do. So uh, Bidu tossed it over to Carl Douglas. Like, you, do you have anything, like maybe something from the vault that you can dredge up? <laughs> and they ended up writing it uh, really quick. But they got it in two takes. Wow. In 10 minutes. <laughs> in the, the last 10 minutes of the studio time. Let's just knock this out. Wow. <laughs> the last 10 minutes, like, let's just get something on the B-side. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can't even put singles out without a B-side. I don't know. But two takes, the man got it. For a song that had never been performed before, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And he did all the chopsaki yells and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) 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 Exactly, exactly. And it was a throwaway. It was just meant to be filler. And then Bidu played it for the head of Pi Records, who noticed really quickly, this is a good song. This is, in fact, the better song. This should be the A-side. This should be the single oh. that we release. <laughs> really? And it didn't initially do very well, the, the single or, or the song, for the first like month or so. And then they started playing it in dance clubs. And uh, if there's oh, yeah. one thing Britain yeah. likes... If there's one thing England likes, it's dance music. Yes. So (laughs) after it started getting play in the clubs, it just jumped up the charts in the UK. It only made it into like the low 40s on the Billboard chart. But hey, for a song that was just filler, you know, that's not bad. 10 minutes? Yeah. And it went on to sell, uh, you know, 11 million copies of this thing they did. Yeah. In 10 minutes, in two takes that wasn't meant to be anything. And if I could share a personal anecdote. Please. Please do. This song actually has a personal significance uh, for me. It fell to me to be the one to take our childhood dog to the vet to be euthanized. Like the dog we all grew up with. So and it fell to me. You were older, not as a child. No, not as a child. I I had to be able to drive. Because that would have been terrifying. I was like, good Lord. (laughs) Here, little girl, take the dog to the vet. (laughs) No, no. Well, if nothing else, you'd hope they'd wait until I was old enough to have a driver's license and make the poor dog walk there. That's just terrible. (laughs) Would you walk the sick dog up to the vet? (laughs) Just carry him. The Baton Death March of Golden Retrievers. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm I'm coming out of the vet. I get in my car, turn on the radio, and Let It Be is playing. And that's, you know, so soothing. Mm. I'm like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is nice. And it's it's just wrapping up. And we had this radio station at the time that claimed to play everything. Uh, And then the next (laughs) song up was Kung Fu Fighting. So, wait, oh, wow. So after Let It Be? Yeah, from Let It Be, straight into Kung Fu Fighting. And Whoa. that's when I learned it is physically impossible to cry while this song is playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you can't. You cannot do it. It, it cannot be done. Such a feel-good song, and it, yeah. and it made you feel better. That's great. Yeah, because it, well, it's, it's so fun, and it's so happy, and it's it's fundamentally so silly. Yeah. You yep. know, that 
yeah, I was still kind of bummed out, but it's physically yeah. impossible to cry while Kung Fu fighting is playing on the radio. That's a little known fact. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, I've got all the bonus facts for you. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Moxie. Man, we love your show. Would you tell our fourth listeners how they can find your podcast? Yeah, well, if you want to get more bonus facts like these, you can, uh, well, of course, once you have finished the entire back catalog of Gen X Grown Up, <laughs> use that same podcast app to look up Your Brain on Facts or go to yourbrainonfacts.com. Or if you want to fill your brain in a quieter sort of way, there's also the Your Brain on Facts book available now. Ooh, excellent. Moxie, thanks for stopping by. No, oh, thanks so much for having me. All right. Now we're getting down to the bottom of the list here, the, the big one. So what do we got well, for number two, This is the top two, of the list. This is or the top, best. The top of the list. Yeah. The best. What? Not what? according yeah. to me. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, what do we got for number two? Number two is, oh, I love this song and I love the story behind it, but I'll get to that in a second. This is My Sharona by The Knack from 1979. Yeah, who doesn't love My Sharona? I mean, it, first uh, yeah. it had a great weird owl cover, My Bologna. Yeah, I'll That's give you awesome. That. That's why I know this song at all because of the weird owl cover. But the song itself, you're right, it's awesome. And the backstory, I've watched a little bit of it as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, My Sharona was the best-selling single in the entire U.S. in all of all of 1979. Not just during their hit, it, but it was their debut single, hit number one. Again, somebody their first big single out of the gate. It stayed in the top 100 for six weeks, mm. and they never made it back. Wow. Mm. Poor the knack. I know. So, so what's this backstory? I didn't hear this one. This is, I love this story. And if this doesn't bring a little tear to your eye, you've made a stone. Aww. So the song is about a woman named uh, Sharona Alperin. Okay. So the lead singer for The Knack, Doug Feger, had a crush on her. Doug was 25 and Sharona was only 17. Okay, a little creepy, but go ahead. They met in a clothing store where Sharona worked. Doug was there with his girlfriend. Ooh. Saw Sharona was smitten by her. With his girlfriend looking on, invited her to come to the show that night. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't long before they were together. They even got engaged, but they never actually got married and they drifted apart. I love to quote that uh, uh, Sharona said of the breakup, she needed to become her own Sharona, not someone else's. So she kind of needed to escape that claustrophobic identity she had uh, with the lead singer of this band. So is that inspired the song? Or was that yeah, he the wrote song? the song to woo her. It was all about her. Yeah, yeah. Got it. he wrote the song ah, and she inspired okay. two years of great songwriting by Doug throughout the time he was with the Knack. And then they broke up. Now, later they reconciled and they became friends in the early 2000s again. Mm -hmm. And they were actually nice. together during Doug's last week of life in February of 2010. They'd made amends. Aww. They were together as friends again at the uh, setting of his life, which I think is an amazing capper. Yeah, it's one of those stories that you might expect to see on a after school lifetime special kind of film, but <laughs> yeah. it happened right. for real. For <laughs> you know real. What I mean? This is like a Hallmark movie. You know, yeah. oh, they, they're strange, but they're great friends. And when he's dying, she's there. And it's like, wow. And on top of it, a great song. And it's a great song. <laughs> Presenting Sounds of the 70s. All your favorite 70s hits in one fantastic collection. Get Sounds of the 70s for just $9.99 on compact disc or double length cassette. That's 22 fabulous hits. Sounds of the 70s is not sold in stores. So call now. Order Sounds of the 70s, call 1-800-527-2400 or send us $9.99 for one cassette or one compact disc plus $3.50 shipping and handling to Sounds of the 70s, Department 8, Richmond, Virginia.
It's almost time for our number one one-hit wonder of the 1970s. Before we do that, I wanted to give each one of us an opportunity to pick one song that the other two just didn't care about at all, but to have an honorable mention and put it here on the show. Yeah, because that didn't happen that often on this list. <laughs> it happened a lot. <laughs> yeah, was it twice? Let's start with you, Mo. What was your honorable mention? All right, this one, I was surprised that this made no one's list, really. But that's okay. I get it. I get it. It's a lot of great yeah. songs to choose from. You can't pick them all, right? True. So, but this song is Me and Mrs. Jones by Billy Paul in 1972. Me and Mrs. Jones We got a thing This song hit number one, and this is the part I just thought was so funny. It's like, you know, it's a song about having an affair. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. That's Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm learning. It's a song about a person having an affair with Mrs. Jones. It knocked out Helen Reddy's I Am Woman (laughs) out of number one when it became a hit, and it was turned was knocked out by Carly Simon's You're So Vain. So it's kind of weird little sandwiching. Look at a sandwich between some stuff. (laughs) Also, I mean, this was in SS Magazine's top 25 slow jams of all time, and it really deserves it. It is an and amazing so it's song. Your honorable mention, why do you yes. specifically, why do you love and pick this one? I just remember when this came on, it was like one of those times like my da- we'd be driving in the car, going on some trip or something like that. Song would come on and this is when my dad would be like, shut up back there! Turn up the radio. <laughs> 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 he just loved, he loved this song for good reason. Any of the adults in the car were always like, all the, like telling the kids like, shh, yep, we gotta hear this the song's song. coming on. The radio would turn up and then the song was over and we could be loud again. That's, yep. I love memories <laughs> like that connected to songs and why it's meaningful to you, so... George, how about you? What was your honorable mention that didn't make the top 10? So first of all, it's the most honorable mention, the most honorable mention of all of them. Mm. Oh, okay. Because it's mine, and I'm always right. So, (laughs) Regardless of what our fourth listeners think. Fair enough. (laughs) Mine is Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry from 1976. Song. This awesome honorable mention, which should have been on the list anyway, hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in September 18th, 1976. It was also number one on the Hot Soul Singles Chart. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this may be one of the few songs on our list that hit number one on two different charts well, of the era. Multiple charts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Certified platinum by the our good friends at the RIAA <laughs> because they sold over two million records, eventually making it to two and a half million records just in the U.S. Mm, wow. Right? That was back in the days when record sales are how they counted things, right? When it was yeah, records, right? right? When it was right. 45. Yeah and albums yeah. and everything. Yep. Uh, it was listed at number 93 on Billboard Magazine's all-time top 100 songs in 2018. Wow. So people Jeez. still, even just a couple of years ago, are showing this song praise and recognition as well they should. This is a song that when I was a young kid and we would hear this playing on the radio like at my little elementary school, <laughs> mm. right? That somebody would have a little, one of those little small portable transistor radios and they'd play oh, right. whatever location. <laughs> And we'd be sitting in there on the basketball court. We'd have our short shorts on and the knee-high socks with the bands around, color bands, bands around yeah. the top. Oh, the visual. No, yeah. the visual. Stop. 
<laughs> and we'd be playing basketball to play that funky music. And it was such a fun song, such a fun song. To this day, I get images of like roller rinks and disco balls and everything else that's just totally awesome. <laughs> I get the same imagery and I respect the legacy of it and your opinion, but I boycott anything from the 70s with funky in the title. I can't do it. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's funky and boogie. I mean, how do you boycott either one of those terms? Boogie's They're fine. Awesome. I, I know funky. I draw the line at funky. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, I don't know how you're going to top that honorable mention, but let's go ahead and hear yours just so we can get done with this part before we get into number one. I don't think it's going to top it for anybody except me, but my honorable mention okay. is Junk Food Junkie by Larry Gross from 1976. Yeah, in the daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. <laughs> Why are you all laughing at the junk food junkie? What? Come on now. Listen, some respect is in order. 15 weeks on the U.S. charts peaked at number nine, and nobody gives a damn about Larry Gross's one-hit wonder, The Junk Food Junkie. No. Sorry. No, not really. If I'm going to listen to food-based music, I'm going to listen to Weird Al. Who the hell is Larry Gross? Well, he didn't have much of a storied career, as you might imagine, because he made this list. This came out like right at the origin of like the health food craze in the mid-70s. So pretty much like all the people who were vegans today were in this trend, right? They're like, I'm super super healthy and that kind of thing. I'm going to eat bean sprouts and alfalfa sprouts that, and bananas. That's what it's all about. Yeah. This is about a guy who is a self-proclaimed kind of health food fanatic, but at night he sneaks off and he eats junk food. You know, he eats Big Macs and Pringles and Twinkies. And it sounds like a sitcom plot. It could be. And I had this song on my Ronco 33 and a third LP funky favorites novelty oh, record. No one. Loved this song. Novelty album. Yep. So that's why it's my honorable mention, the junk food junk. Oh, my yep. God. Okay. Oh. We've made it through the honorable mentions. We made it through <laughs> nine of the top ten. We've made it to number one. And, George, we have reserved number one for you. Tell us what it is. I don't know why we're reserving number one for the guy who didn't listen to hardly any music during the 1970s. <laughs> but since we did, <laughs> at least we picked a really good one, one that I know from Marvel. Once again, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass from 1972. The surprise no one that this reached number one on both the Billboard Hot 100 and the Cashbox Top 100 charts, one of the only other songs on this list to do it on two different chart lists. Following the song's release in 1972, Brandy increased in popularity as a girl's name in the United States, according to the Social Security Administration. That can make sense. Oh, jeez. In 1971, Brandy was number 353. for girls' names. Right. 1972, it went all the way down to 140. And in 1973, the first full wow. year after the song's popularity, went down to number 82. The 82nd most popular woman's name. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's just geez. crazy. According to the you know, Social Security Administration, every time you got your little card and everything, right, I don't yeah. know how many illegitimate children named Brandy didn't get their Social Security cards <laughs> or maybe stripper card? names were used as Brandy <laughs> or something. So that number may be on the low side, but it definitely had an influence. This did for Brandy what the police did for rock 
Roxy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Popularized that name that maybe otherwise wasn't. And this is another great story-based relationship building and telling why you can't be with her. What a great, I love the story of this song. Well, I think it may be the best story-based song, and that's what it was written for. It's such a good story that it's often misjudged as being inspired by a woman who really did live in the 1800s and pined for her sailor lover to come back home, but he never did, and she died waiting for him. But it's not about that woman at all. It's actually about the author's girlfriend who was named Randy at the time, and she just happened to be a barmaid. And then he went from there. <laughs> and he went off to the ocean? Did he go to get on a ship? No. <laughs> no, no he, no. he just wrote the song about her being a barmaid and he because he wanted to write, quote unquote, a pirate song. Oh, okay. And <laughs> so this is there you go. how that developed. He's supposed to be a pirate. I didn't pick that part up. Yeah, I didn't either, but yeah. uh, it's been in a lot of films, as we all know. Lords of Dogtown, Say Anything, Charlie's Angels, believe it or not. A very Brady sequel, even. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then, of course, its most famous entry into film to date. Lately. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, yeah. And it played not just in the movie, but it was central to the story of the film. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of people take from it. I really enjoy just, like, the persona of the ocean in this where mm -hmm. you know I can't be with you because my life my love and my lady is the sea right so it's, it's like for sailors many of them it brings so much color into it it's not just like I'm on a boat so I can't love you it's so deep I love how it, it flows <laughs> well and it's you know it goes to her as well like she serves a hundred ships a day but she only loves one man yes on all exactly. those ships oh I know? got chills and I love this song what a great pick for number one I'm so proud of us I'm so proud of us yeah we actually love but one that we all sort of agree on. You know, that's pretty amazing. Weird. Someone call Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, oddly enough, Mo, you gave this the highest point value of the three of us. Mm -hmm. I was second, and John was actually kind of on the low to moderate end for point values. You know, I had more points on it. I shifted them down to Junk Food Junkie. That's all. That's what it was. Oh, God. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys just wouldn't vote for it. What can I tell you? Yeah. Gold, all of your favorite hits of the 60s and 70s in one fantastic collection. Get AM Gold for just $9.99 on compact disc or double length cassette. That's 22 fabulous hits. Then audition other great AM Gold albums. There's no minimum to buy. Cancel anytime. I think I love you, so what am I so? Call now. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. I can't get over how we all agreed and we're proud of our number one pick. That makes me so happy. So happy. It's so rare. It's, it's the rarest of all things. It's like a precious little four-leaf clover. It's snowflake. Yes, it is. Before we get out of this show, you know, I'd like to take just a second toward the end to express our gratitude for our patrons who support us over on Patreon.com. Give us a few bucks a month to really support what we do here on the podcast over on the website and on YouTube. 
Man, this is a growing list. 30 plus and counting. <laughs> Here we go. I thank each and every one of you. Stubaka, Jason, Agile, Greg, L, Shelby, Chet, Marcus, Levi, Tony, David, Adam, Slowmo, Thomas, Stu Monkey, Mark, Greg Z, Davis, Tom J, T2, Mike C, Lee, Dana, Ben, John with an H, Dan, Arlo, Stian, Blastator, Stash it, Matt, Chad, and Travis. And Stu Monkey increased his pledge from what he had all the way up to $5 mm, with oh, no wow. Thank you. prompting Thank from you. us. Thank you so much for that. He said he was watching some of the bonus content and said, you know what? You guys are worth two more bucks. And he did it. So all right. thanks to you. Nice. We're worth $2. Awesome. At least. At bare, <laughs> maybe at most. Maybe at most. <laughs> I was going to say different value scale there. <laughs> if you have not yet signed up for Patreon and would like to support us, Mo, would you tell the fine fourth listeners how they can go about getting all set up? Oh, absolutely. Just go to genxgrownup.com com slash patreon there it'll take you right to the site we have all different levels we appreciate anything anyone can give of course you know anything anyone can give but the more you give we have additional bonus content we have outtakes the more you get that's right the more you give the more you get even <laughs> at the higher levels we have swag we even added a new highest level by popular demand we had to yeah it's really awesome and it really shows us that what we're doing is reaching you so we really appreciate really anything that anybody can give super gratifying thanks so much and thank you mo that is going to wrap it up for this look back at one hit wonders of the night 1970s. We'll have another backtrack in two weeks and a regular edition of our show is coming up next week. Until then, I am John. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Always fun, man. George, you know I appreciate you. Yes, sir. And fourth listeners, it's you we appreciate most of all and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. I love the nightlife. I love to boogie. Now that's going to be stuck in my damn head. The nights, the light, the night, the, the lights went. Yeah, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> the nights, the light. Yeah, yeah one light of Georgia at the time. This is the night the lights went out in Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Apparently, John, you have to make me feel better. This podcast is going so okay. damn well. I keep telling y'all. <laughs> just the just internet wait guys do not it's want not us to cursed. do this one. <laughs> the internet is going to be speaking. Okay. All right. Five, <laughs> four, three. Now, I had heard that. The, good job. First words. Fucked it up. Three, two, one. You got to get it one. out of the way early. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Z, David, Tom J, T. <clears throat> it must be T2. I didn't type it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. See? Uh, yeah. Three, two. <laughs> I didn't type the two. Uh. Tom J. T. Fucking put the two in there, idiot. I can't read it. Two. Two. Got it. All right. Blah, blah, blah. Starting again at the beginning. Fourth listeners, how they can go about getting set up. Sure. It's like super easy. <laughs> Sorry. Unlike my speaking. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, right. yes. Okay, Unlike that's just... a blooper. Let me do it again, and they'll just hear this part at the end where I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs>